Hello and welcome to People in Profit. I'm Charles Pellegrin. This week in the show, a special edition where we'll focus on tiny objects that have a huge impact. They power all the electronic devices that are a mainstay of 20th century daily life, whether it's your smartphone, your car, or the data centers that hold all your online information. These semiconductor microchips are of strategic importance, and in a changing geopolitical landscape where transnational trade routes are increasingly at risk, risk of disruption, the race is on to bring their manufacturing closer to home. This is what we're seeing in the European Union. With the CHIPS Act voted this year, awarding 43 billion euros in subsidies to the industry in a bid to double the number of chips made on the continent by 2030, returning to 20% of global production. One of the companies benefiting from this program is U.S. chip maker Intel. The company is responsible for a big chunk of the 100 billion euros in semiconductor investment on the continent, a figure that EU Commissioner Thierry Breton has boasted of. Well, the group is pouring 30 billion euros into creating a massive chip-producing complex in Germany near Magdeburg, as well as over 4 billion euros in an assembly and testing plant near Wroclaw in Poland, and a 17 billion euro investment has also been made on Intel's site in Ireland, in the town of Lakeslip, just outside Dublin. The plant now uses, uses extreme ultraviolet lithography machines that allow more precise production at a higher volume. Well, to discuss this uh, huge investment in Europe, as well as its other projects around the world, Intel's chief commercial officer and executive vice president, Christoph Schell, uh, joins us on set. Thank you for being with us, uh, Christoph Schell. Uh, first of all, I want to come back on, on what happened in uh, in Ireland last week, the beginning of production at the plant uh, there has been called a landmark moment uh, for the company uh, in its bid to regain uh, some of the ground that it had lost it to its rivals. Can you tell us how so? How is this a landmark moment? Thanks for having me. And yes, last week was big for us. On Friday, we opened uh, what we call FAB 34 in Ireland. Uh, and it is a landmark moment because we are extending our uh, capabilities in, in Europe and in Ireland. Uh, we announced Intel 4. Um, that's what we will manufacture in this factory, in this fab. Um, and that is a key product for us uh, going forward. So, yeah, uh, a big moment for us. Also on this overall journey to open up supply chains to give customers in Europe access to design and to manufacture closer to their customers. Mm -hmm. you, this Intel's stated goal uh, is to deliver five generations of technology within uh, four years, yes. meaning five generations of microchips that get smaller and smaller. So I guess four nanometers is the Intel 4 uh, chip that you mentioned. Uh, this requires the huge investments that we, we've seen, like the ones that, you, that we mentioned in all around Europe. More than just the investment, uh, what else is needed to, to reach such an ambitious goal? Our, our industry uh, is dependent on ecosystems. Uh, so when we, when we decide to build a manufacturing capacity in a new location, it is very important for us to attract suppliers um, that we can do this together with. And the machines that go into these fabs are obviously from a technology point of view, very high end. So developing the technologies together, setting it up together is very important. And then manufacturing the wafers is one aspect 
packaging later on the products that we require is another one and so doing the assembly is is, is yet a third so you mentioned some of of these setups that we have if you look for example into magdeburg magdeburg will be a wafer manufacturing site um, and then the assembly will be done in poland so for us as an american company it was very important to look at as, at europe as one economic zone uh, where we can do for those customers who want to have it an end-to-end -end supply chain within one economic zone. And that's why we are making these investments in Ireland, in Poland, and in Germany. In light of all that, do you think that goal uh, by the EU to reach uh, a market share of, of microchip production of 20% by 2030 is a realistic one? I think it's a needed one. Uh, and I, I actually hope that you know our ambitions uh, as a European myself are going to be a little bit higher than just 20%. I think we all experienced uh, during the COVID years what it means if we are not in control of our supply chain, if we're dependent uh, on individual components uh, being made available or not. Uh, I think many of us experience constraints in different vertical segments, um, the PC industry, the car industry, we could go on. And I think we need to learn from that and we need to make sure that we have more resilient supply chains going forward. That is at the heart of Intel's IDM 2.0 strategy. And just as a reminder, you, the shortages you, you mentioned uh, that happened during the pandemic is during the pandemic with all the disruption we saw on factory sites and everything, it really exposed uh, the microchips industry's reliance on East Asian supply chains, correct? It It is true that today a lot of the uh, micro processes do come out of Asia um, and uh, you know with an increase in demand for these semi products going forward I think it's important that we not only design more capacity for these nodes you mentioned five and four already uh, but also the location uh, giving us a little bit more flexibility giving the industries a little bit more flexibility of where they want to design where they want to manufacture where they want to have the packaging done so i think this is all about getting choice points to our customers mm -hmm. uh, the impulse the impulse behind the chips act we mentioned it was uh, whether in the EU, eu or the us was was the semiconductor shortage during the pandemic which yeah. really underlined the dominance of east asia uh, would you say this has been in a way a bit of a, a lifeline for intel uh, to that had perhaps fallen behind some of its competitors, that suddenly this change or this realization gave Intel an opportunity? I actually think that we were very much part of orchestrating the opportunity. I think we sat down with governments, we sat down with our customers and said, listen, we are open to opening our foundry up to third parties. In the past, Intel was mainly focusing our foundry efforts for ourselves, for the products that we manufacture on the uh, CPU or GPU side, uh, and we decided, okay, let's open that up. And that was one key decision. The second key decision is, where do we open it up? And so I think this is where we then started to have good uh, engagements with customers, with governments, in order to break open these uh, very entrenched supply chains that we already described, that we experienced during the COVID years. And then when we talk about subsidies, you know, uh, this is an industry that has been benefiting from subsidies since the 70s uh, of the last century. I don't like to talk about subsidies, these are investments. Ultimately, we will get investments from governments in order to remove a dependency that we have today in this industry on certain locations to open that up and to have different economy, economic zones participate. Uh, talking about the, the environment that you're investing here in Europe, um, one of yes. the big challenges in many industries, uh, uh, but especially in, in, in tech uh, industries or, or manufacturing industries, is a, a skills shortage, uh, yes. especially in the French industry. Um, we've talked about it last week, a lot of trouble finding qualified personnel. Mm. Has this been an issue? What are you doing to, to, to 
deal with this particular issue? I actually think it's one of the reasons why we decided to invest where we are investing in Europe as well. We do like the access to talent. Um, Intel has for years already a very um, high engagement uh, on the R&D side uh, with companies in, in France and also with uh, CEA in France. So that's a partnership that we really enjoy, something that we want to build on. Uh, yeah, but talent is one of the main decisive reasons for us to choose locations. Mm -hmm. Staying, the regulatory environment uh, is a huge factor. And, and Europe often gets a, a reputation as being a tough place to do business for, for tech companies. Um, how would you describe Intel's relationship with EU regulators? Look, I actually think it's a very uh, collaborative, uh, and I mean it's in a positive sense, uh, uh, engagement that we have. Uh, it is true that Europe has some very clear guidelines when it comes, for example, to data management and data access, which uh, is interesting for us to solve at times, but also makes us better, uh, because very often Europe is actually leading the way, and other countries are catching up a little bit later. So Europe does keep us in our toes, uh, but I mean that in a really positive way, and it's about you know solving these challenges together. Mm -hmm. uh, semiconductors are also uh, at the heart of, a, of the diplomatic tussle between the U.S. and China, with the, with the U.S. Uh, uh, trying to, to stop sensitive tech from making its way uh, to, to, to being used in China, and China sometimes retaliating. Uh, we saw uh, a probe against, uh, against Micron, the U.S. Uh, chip makers, but we also saw uh, Intel's uh, acquisition of, of Israeli uh, tower uh, group, Tower Semiconductor, being uh, put to the side or put on pause because it didn't get approval from Chinese regulators. What's, what's Intel's exposure to China? I think, firstly, what you actually describe here is a, uh, a situation where semis become more and more important for society. And I think governments are reacting to that. You know, you could argue that in the past 50 years, a lot of geopolitical decisions have been made based on where oil reserves are. I think it's fair to say that in the next 50 years, a lot of geopolitical decisions will be made based on who does have the ability to manufacture wafers and to manufacture semi-products. Intel is, is known as an integrated design uh, manufacturer, IDM, I think that's the, the IDM, term that's used, exactly what it is, uh, yes. meaning they des <laughs> you design and manufacture your own chips, and the big development in the past few years has been yes. to try and branch out to uh, contract chip making, so manufacturing chips for, for other customers. Mm -hmm. This is quite a, a big change uh, for, for Intel. Mm -hmm. uh, What's it like trying to convince people who relied on other companies like uh, Taiwan's TSMC or, or Samsung uh, for these services and to try and, and get them to come on board with Intel? Well, so look, firstly for us, it's actually it's two distinct businesses, okay, from, a, from an engagement point of view with the customer. Uh, you're right that we know how foundry businesses work because we are a foundry, but our customers in the past have purely been internal. So we need to open up. Uh, to external customers. We need to learn what is important for them, how they work, you know, how they, they evaluate their decision-taking. Uh, that's quite interesting. My team is at the heart of this. You know, we are trying to sell capacity, and we are selling capacity, of products that will be manufactured in factories that haven't been built yet. So it's, it's very, very interesting. From a go-to-market point of view, I love it. I enjoy it, okay? Um, so that's one piece. The other piece is that in the tech industry, um, you very often talk to your competitors. Uh, and you know, I, I describe this as a frenemy type of relationship. So on the core business, we have companies that we're competing head to head with. Uh, but then on the foundry business, these 
customers, these competitors could potentially become really important customers. And so working that uh, is, is a daily exercise. And uh, yeah, it's super, super exciting. Christoph Schell, you're the Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer at Intel. Thank you so much for being with us on uh, France 24. Thank you, Charles. Well, that's all we have time for now. Thank you for watching People in Profit. You can watch uh, all of our previous shows on our website, france24.com, or you can listen to them by searching for People in Profit on the podcast platform of your choice. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on social media. In the meantime, stay tuned to France 24.